Nearly a decade ago, I found myself filling the hours by listening to podcasts while my husband, Brooks, was training with the U.S. Army. Walking the streets of our Army post, I dreamt of creating something for women that bridged that gap between sermon audio and small talk. It was on the floor of my tiny closet on post that that very dream, the Dream for the Journey Women podcast, came to fruition in June of 2017. And today, by God's grace, Journey Women is now a not-for-profit ministry with the aim of moving women to know and love God more. Our monthly and one-time givers help make our mission possible. If you'd like to support the work that we do, you can make a tax-deductible donation by visiting journeywomen.org forward slash give. Thank you for investing in the work of Journey Women. Welcome to the Journey Women podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Belis. Wherever you are on your journey to glorify God, we are so glad you're here. On the Journey Women podcast, we'll come alongside you in the seasons and challenges of life to move you to know and love God and His Word, to find your hope in the gospel, and to invest deeply in your local church as you go out on mission for the glory of God. Today, we are chatting with Marianne Chalice-Helms about how to glorify the Lord even in the midst of what we might consider to be the mundane, everyday work of life and ministry. Marianne is a wife, a mother of four, and as you'll hear, she loves to mentor young women and to see God's truth shape their hearts and lives. Marianne embodies so well what it looks like to faithfully live as a Christian, especially in the current online spaces, which we talk about some in this episode. I know that you'll be encouraged by my conversation with Marianne, but before we go there, I want to say a big thank you to those of you who support Journey Women Ministries by donating to the podcast. With your help, we are coming alongside more women to move them to know and love God, and we are so grateful. If you'd like to help us in our aim to move women to know and love God and His Word, to find their hope in the gospel, and to invest deeply in their local churches as they go out on mission for the glory of God, you can do so at journeywomenpodcast.com forward slash give. Marianne, thank you so much for joining us on the Journey Women podcast today. Good to see you, Hunter. Good to talk with you finally. I know. It's so wonderful to get to see you in real time because we have a relationship and chat over Voxer a lot. Yes. And you've been such a help to me. So it's just really fun to get to see your mouth actually moving with yeah. your words. <laughs> yes. And my beautiful fall Georgia backdrop here. I love it so much. Yes, I wish I could hop over there. I know that you live in Georgia with your four beautiful kids and your husband. And I actually connected with you primarily over Instagram, where you share some of that and just embody what it looks like to live as a Christian woman in the online space with an eye towards others. So thank you so much for your work there. You're welcome. It's been a joy. I'm I'm somewhat haphazard in my posting schedule. I'm trying to get better about that, but <laughs> life, right? Just real life. The the organic is always you always get yeah. uh, applauded for the organic nature of social media anyways. Yes. I think it's working to your advantage. Yeah. <laughs> it's all I got. <laughs> uh well, tell us a little bit about yourself. Um today we're going to be talking about ministry in the mundane and I thought right that you are such a wonderful person to have on this particular topic, because I feel like you have done so many different types of work in your, I don't know how old you are, Marianne, however many years old you are. Yes. Well, I yesterday thought I was 43, but then one of my children reminded me I'm 44. I I just, after 40, doesn't matter. 
<laughs> you're just midlife and and beyond. Yeah, so yep, 44. Yep. Yeah. So tell us about what your what ministry looks like for you now, what it's looked like for you, you know, over the years. Yeah. Well, it's it's definitely changed um, all throughout my life. I got married fairly young. I was 21 when I got married and there's a significant age gap between my husband and I. And so we wanted to have kids right away. So I was mom to my firstborn, Anna, by 22. And um, so that kind of spun me right off into motherhood immediately. Um, and then we had four kids in fairly quick succession by seven and a half years past Anna, we had our family complete. And, um, since that time, I've, I've really loved working in women's ministry. So I was partnered with another woman in our church for many years, teaching and, um, editing content for our church women's ministry, um, coordinating curriculum and, and then just weekly teaching. So that was a big part of my life for probably the first 15 years of being a mom. Yeah, and, that's a lot. Um, alongside motherhood, prepping every alongside, week. Alongside, yeah. Yeah, in various ways. I mean, it brought me so much joy. Um, but eventually I felt the need to step away from that. As my kids headed into middle school, hmm. my emotional, mental capacity was feeling a little bit more full. And so I, I moved away from kind of official ministry in my church and um, started doing a lot more one-on-one kind of discipleship of women. Mm-hmm. And that has also been just a source of real joy. Um, in the past few years, a lot of the a lot of my ministry really has centered around just dis- the discipleship of my kids. And any mom whose kids are reaching those like middle school teen years knows just how um, full that becomes for you, especially just the discipleship, the spiritual, emotional um, Hmm. strength and fortitude it takes to to get through those years. And then to also foster your marriage alongside some of those challenges, I suppose Mm -hmm. you could call them. So that's kind of my life now. I'm also working part-time right now in a kindergarten class in a local public school. And so I feel like I'm I'm kind of spanning all the stages of childhood again, Um, (laughs) but it's all good. I enjoy it all. Yes, yes. Well, what are some of the categories that some of our listeners might be facing? You and I were just talking and and referencing that there are so many different seasons of life and some of our listeners may not have family, some of them may not have kids, some of them may not be married, um, yeah. some may be single. So what are some categories of kind of mundane ministry in which um, the listeners might be serving right now? most of us at some point in our lives will reach a point regardless of the nature of our work of thinking, I can't do this for another day. Um, (laughs) just because the, the, the everyday monotony that work can become regardless of whether you're, you're married or single, it's, it's just the burden of work can really, really get to us. And it can become a real mental struggle to talk ourselves into faithfulness for another day. Mm -hmm. So I think the conversation, while a lot of the time my references or yours would relate to motherhood, there are so many other categories of work and, and single women struggle very much in the same sort of approach to, to mundane tasks. Um, it's just part of the nature of the fall that we struggle with the everyday. I think we weren't really made to to manage the futility of the fall, even though we were made for work. We weren't made for yeah. the futility. So I think that's hard, no matter what your life looks like. 
Yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, I feel like this conversation is a little bit selfish on my part, Marianne, because I told you I have just been struggling with the repetitive nature of the work inside the home. And like you said, whether you're in a dorm room, an apartment, whether you're, you know, serving for children, a lot of that work is the same. Maybe the pace and the rhythm of it might be a little bit exaggerated the more people that you have to serve. But I have been struggling with faithfulness in the four walls of my home and without begrudging the tasks that just continue to like need doing over yeah. and over and over and over and over again. So mm-hmm. that certainly has lent itself to a lot of fatigue as of late, particularly regarding the laundry, not to call out any. any yes, <laughs> it's never done. Uh, it's <laughs> never finished. And I think as somebody who likes to have things completed and who likes for there to be like a box to check. It can be particularly difficult when as soon as I put all of the clothes away, I have another load that needs to be done. And that has left me tired. So Mm -hmm. talk to me about when, when you felt tired or weary as a result of, you know, some type of mundane service. Well, I have a really distinct memory um, of early motherhood. So we had, I think I I mentioned we had our our four kids within the span of seven and a half years. And so I remember one particular day, um, just feeling so weary of lifting. Like I started thinking I begin my day lifting a child and then I lift them into the car and I lift them into a high chair and, and I lift and I lift and I lift all day long. And I got to the top of the stairs to bring one child up for a nap. And I just sat down and I had to rest for a few minutes because I thought, I am just so tired of the the lifting of mm. this stage of my life. Well, it kind of became a picture to me of the fact that that lifting, that exhaustion really just translates all through your life into different areas. So now I feel that I'm in a mentally lifting stage. You know, I get mm. to the end of the day and I think I've carried all these things all day. But that particular memory is very stark in my mind um, and became sort of symbolic to me of just, again, the nature of work and how we really just need Christ's strength for the daily, hourly work that he's given to us, regardless of what that looks like. Yeah, 100%. And I I feel that. And I do feel these tasks like pressing me into uh, my need for Christ. So how does God use these tasks, whatever they may be in our respective season, to conform us to the image of Christ? Well, I think it's interesting that historically, I mean, we, we would believe, I think most of us in the biblical doctrine of perseverance of the saints and the fact that, you know, Christ is really honored and glorified through our perseverance. And then that perseverance also becomes a distinctly Christian brand, like that Christians are persevering people. Hmm. Um, So I think it's really important for us to remember that you know, we, we love to sort of break this idea of perseverance down into sort of heroic terms. We probably like to glorify the saints of the past and think, yeah. well, I need to do these heroic, noteworthy memoir type biographical things for Christ. Right. But really, one or two percent of people are ever memorialized in, in writing, right? Most of us, the 98, 99 percent, our lives are, are lived invisibly and quietly. Yeah. And yet... This, our perseverance, our endurance is what Christ chooses to honor. I mean, he rejoices over us with singing. 
So I think we diminish our work. Christ Mm. never diminishes the ordinary. We are the ones who diminish the ordinary. We have to just really remember that that Mm -hmm. is not biblical to do. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm thinking about, you know, right now I'm deep in Titus and Mm -hmm. just remembering the immense work that Christ has done in us to bring us from death to life and how that is what enables us to work for the sake of others. And Mm -hmm. you think about some of these tasks, you're like, these are tasks that are life-giving, as our friend Karen Hodge loves to say, like, just the work of the home. These are things that uh, the Lord uses to sustain the life, literally, of other people, Right, making the food over and over and over and over and over again. I'm telling you, that's another one of the tasks where I'm like, if I wasn't here, there would be no food. (laughs) Yeah. And just remembering what a gift it is. And I think as I reflect upon, man, the only way that I can go about these tasks with a glad heart is because of the the work that Christ has done in me. So let me mm-hmm. set my hands to the work that he set before me, right. um, remembering that great work. Like that, like you said, the perseverance, the continual remembrance of the gospel, the wonderful work that God has done in me by the power of the Holy Spirit through the person of his son, like yeah. that helps just shape my mind and and, and and tether me to the gospel. And I'm so grateful for that. So that's one of the ways that I kind of talk myself through, like when I'm feeling just tired in the work, yeah. like, okay, let's remember the good work Christ did in me. How do yeah. you counsel your heart when you feel like you can never seem to get ahead and you just feel discouraged uh, by the monotony of the work that God's given you? Well, I I love to read historical biography, and this is something you and I share, I think, a commonality we share. But I think it helps to remember that perhaps this idea of mundane is a little bit, or the struggle that we have over mundane is a little bit more of a modern concept. I don't Mm -hmm. know that traditionally, historically, the church was thinking so much about is my work valuable before the eyes of the world? Nobody could see each other. So we didn't know. We were we were sort of forced to just live um, the best lives we could in front of our local community. Hmm. Um, so I, I tend to, to really walk through those things in my heart when I'm feeling weary. Like, remember, not only is this an, an unbiblical assumption you're making about yourself, that your work has no worth because it's invisible. Mm. But also historically, this has never been the way the church has handled the idea of work, that it has to be prominent or that it has to be on display. That's really a very modern concept, largely due to technology and social media's advance in our lives. Yeah. Um, so those things are helpful. The spiritual is a good reminder for me, but then a practical reminder to just remember um, the church has always functioned with a level of privacy and that has, that has benefited it. Yeah. You know, you and I have even talked about this, this concept of like Titus two mentoring and what is the impact of like the internet on Titus two mentoring relationships and stuff. And you think about, I'm just deep in Titus again, like I said, you think about the instruction that older women have been given to teach younger women and where, what are they teaching them to do, to do the work in the home? You're like, This is so good. This is worthy, valuable work um, that God has given us. And I love the reminder that our work is valuable as Mm -hmm. unto the Lord. I think that helps us remember in whatever we do, like we can give glory to God, including the one millionth load of laundry. 
You start the laundry, make the coffee the same way every morning. You click the gas stove top to life, crack the eggs, scramble the same way every morning. You run the vacuum over the hardwoods, taking care to get that spot where the crumbs always gather the same place every day. You scrape the pan clean, wipe the counters, move the laundry to the dryer again and again and again. The baby stirs and then wakes. You feed, change, play, and then it's time for another nap again and again and again. You fold the clothes, change the diaper again and again and again. You take a walk, prep for dinner, clean the bottles, start the dishwasher again and again and again. You fall into bed night after night, weary, exhausted, not only at the tasks themselves, but at the monotony of it all, the fact that you do them all again and again and again, and yet will face them all again the next morning. This liturgy of days, this repeating of tasks, this work that's never completed again and again and again. The tug of the mundane pulls on your spirit, your heart inclines toward apathy. Yet what is happening in these moments? The repetition, the rhythm again and again and again. The call to serve, to work, to give again and again and again. Each time a call to notice, to see what is happening, these liturgies form, they shape. Over time, they mold us, the rhythm of our lives inviting us to lean, to trust, to work heartily as unto the Lord, to reflect the Father, to see the beauty of work, to remember that these things matter. So you start the laundry, you clean the dishes again and again and again, this time leaning into this liturgy of days, realizing that even in its monotony, it is doing something, realizing that these tasks, this work, it is not ordinary, it is sacred. We know that we don't serve a high priest who's unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. So tell us, during his earthly ministry, did Jesus serve in ways that may have been seen as invaluable or in the secret places like you referenced? Oh, for sure. I mean, for all that we know about the life of Christ, think about how much is not recorded, right? I mean, we we tend to think we know everything about his life, but really we are just given a few little brief glimpses into his public life of ministry. But most of it is not shared with us. So my assumption has always been that in those pockets of of our not being given information was probably helping his father with with his work and labor, probably um, helping his siblings, discipling in in churches in the area, um, preaching, uh, just normal labor for someone who chose a life of ministry, but also was part of a family in a local community. Mm-hmm. So, so I would assume there is so much about the life of Christ that was just humdrum, um, that we'll never know about, but was faithful in his life and before the father. What's interesting about the life of Christ. I was thinking about this this morning, you know, the pinnacle of Jesus career hmm was his death, right? Yeah. Like m- most of us labor long and hard to sort of attain this level of 
success and achievement. And, and the actual pinnacle of Christ's vocational life was his death. And I think just remembering that is, is very important for us as Christians too, that it is not death to die. So that moment of Christ's death, which was the peak of his career, was actually the moment of greatest triumph. And I think that if we apply that, break that down into our daily lives, we can remember it is not death to die. There mm. is no such thing as futility ultimately for the Christian. Again, that's something we tell ourselves. That's something the evil one tells us. But it is not, it is not true in the life of a Christian. Um, so I found a lot of joy in just remembering just, just the life of Christ and how countercultural it was, you know, and, and how it, it remains, particularly, again, when we compare his life to a social media influencer, even in the Christian realm, just how different his life was. Mm. Um, yeah. One of just quiet ministry. He was never seeking to platform himself in any way. Yeah. You're making me think of the verse that says, you know, the son of man came to serve, not to be served and to give his right. life as a ransom for many. And you're right. like, really, the pinnacle of that is his death on the cross. And yeah. I can relate that to my life when even in a simple task, this is this is this is maybe going to sound just so sacrilegious, but like just the slow death of dying to self as yeah. I seek to serve others within the four walls of my own home. So that's such a great reminder. And sometimes I have to really apply that when I'm picking up the one millionth LaCroix can sitting yes. around. <laughs> yes, yes. Every trip to the recycling bin is yeah. a little death to self. And that's a yeah. great, that is a great thing. And and we can rejoice knowing that God is doing a work in us as yes. we work for his glory within our right. homes. Life is crazy sometimes, and finding time to sit down and read the Bible can be difficult. That is why I love Dwell. When I can't find time to read the Bible, I can listen to it. The voices reading the Bible are soothing. They're not your normal narrators. Plus, you can choose calming background music and adjust the pace of the narrator's voice to get things just right. Dwell's newest release is called Dwell Daily, a fresh, thoughtfully crafted devotional that immerses you in the word, allowing you to pray it, meditate on it, and so much more. If you're looking to deepen your engagement with the Bible this year, Dwell Daily is worth checking out. I cannot recommend Dwell enough to help you orient your mind to the life-giving word of God throughout your day. Go to dwellbible.com forward slash journeywomen to receive your 25% discount today. Again, that's dwellbible.com forward slash journeywomen for your 25% discount to subscribe and spend time in God's word. Years ago in Bible study, um, I sat with a young woman who was explaining something that her mentor had said to her that she had noted for the rest of her life. Um, and this older mentor had said to her, if it feels like death, it's probably life. And wow. so I have remembered that for 20 years now in my own life and walk with the Lord, just that if it feels like death, it's probably the work of Christ. Uh, polishing us, shaping us, adorning our lives with the gospel so that we really do um, have a more authentically humble message to share with the world. So if it feels like death, it's probably life. I think that's something we can all 
internalized. Oh, that's so good. That is so good. I'm going to like put that on something somewhere. I probably need it yes. in my laundry room above <laughs> my kitchen sink. If it feels like death, it might be life. Is that what you... Yeah, if it feels like death, it's probably life. So probably you might want to put that on the recycling can too. <laughs> <laughs> That's so good. Well, that certainly um, encourages me. How else have you been encouraged by looking at the life of Christ in the work that he set before you? Well, not, remembering nothing is small. Um, again, you know, just take your ordinary life. You're uh-huh. talking about the recycling, right? And for me, it would be something different. Think about how hard that is to do well. Think mm. about how quickly, easily, naturally we go to complaint, self-pity, anger, resentment, all of these 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 real paralyzing sins. Mm-hmm. And then we practice those sins day to day to day and think about mm. how much that is shaping our character. Or you can flip that and say, well, look at the recycling bin or the this or the that and think about how if I choose gratitude or if I choose just non-complaint, think about how that is then shaping my character. Mm. So we tend to diminish the fact that the day-to-day life is challenging and hard. So if we live it well, Mm -hmm. we're we're forging very strong characters. Um, Mm -hmm. So again, just going back to the life of Christ, I mean, you just have to read about Christ's earthly ministry and you can see that he would have faced many of the same daily grind activities yeah. that we face. And, um, and just some, somehow his example of doing all mm-hmm. of that so well before the father, so uncomplainingly, mm-hmm. so gratefully and, and with such a posture of service um, is is really remarkable. We should constantly be reading about the life of Christ to to remind ourselves of the actual reality we're living under. You know, mm. I love it so much. You know, I just need to like walk around saying like, okay, Christ is my life. Christ is my life. I'm yeah. hidden in Him. Yeah. I can do these things. This is so good. It's just a great reminder, Marianne, that all these little tasks are really tools for our sanctification, and so. What like what a blessing. Like we don't right. I don't know. We don't have to do, like you said, this big heroic thing. We can just set our hands faithfully to the tasks that the Lord has set before us and trust that He will continue to conform us into the image of His Son. So right. are there any passages of scripture that you like recite to yourself or rehearse? Like for me, it's like Psalm 23 1. That's like such a classic. It's the Lord is my shepherd, I have what I need. I just remember, okay. Yeah. Or uh, Romans 8. That's been another great one that I've just rehearsed over and over and over. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in me. So if I feel like death right now, I can remember he's giving life to my mortal body through his spirit that dwells in me. So I'm going to go about this life giving work, like trusting that the spirit is going to give me the life I need to do it. So what passages encourage you as you serve others, even in the unseen places? Well, I love, I mean, I years ago started repeating to myself, just the boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. And I, and I mean, that's such a common, but yet beautiful, significant scripture passage. Just knowing that we tend to rebel, you know, you can see at the very beginning of the Bible in Genesis, we were poised toward rebellion against boundaries. Mm. And yet the Lord established boundaries for our spiritual good but also for our mental good, um, mm-hmm. the boundaries of our lives. I mean, neurologically, repetition, sameness, routine, these are all good things for our brains. 
So, so I would remind myself as a young mom, these boundaries are good for me at every level, social, emotional, psychological, you know, they're, the Lord was not only sort of addressing our sin and our propensity to wander in Genesis, but he was also being gracious and kind and saying this, these boundaries, while you've earned them through your sin, I will also give them to you as a good thing. So hmm. that helps me and has always helped me throughout my life. And then, of course, when tragedy or grief or pain comes, mm-hmm. um, you can also see that those boundaries God gives us for how to work out our salvation theologically, how to how to apply ourselves to good work, they, they continue to be so valuable. I also love the verse in Luke 6, I think it is. Don't quote me. I think it's Luke 6, but just um, being faithful in little. Um, so that the Lord can make you faithful in much. And I'm not I'm not speaking in that passage about being faithful in little ways so God can kind of elevate and platform and give you a stage. Yeah. But I'm saying giving, when, when we are faithful with little things, the next challenge that comes along in life, we have been prepared for it through mm-hmm. functioning well the first time. And then mm-hmm. the next grief or trauma that comes, we've we've trained our minds and our hearts to know how to look look to Christ. Mm-hmm for resolution in that problem or, or for comfort. Mm-hmm. Um, so those two are very practical scriptures for me, but they have really helped me just, um, they've hemmed my thoughts and my heart in yeah. when, when I've needed those, those helpful reminders of, mm-hmm. of where to go with my feelings. Um, because we know mm-hmm. feelings are not very dependable. So, yeah, those are probably two of my more practical life verses. And then, of course, I have many others that are yeah. comfort and, and, and such. You know, one of the things I've noticed about you is you have seemed to set a lot of little uh, like liturgies comes to mind, but just practices, I guess, that help you to stay on the straight and narrow path. <laughs> like, hmm. you know, just these rhythms in your home, rhythms in your life that help you reorient to Christ and to remember what it is that he has given you to do. Of course, we see you doing that with scripture. That was what we just discussed. Are there any other little practices that you might encourage us to set in place or to consider setting in place um, that might help us to orient our gaze to the Lord as we go about the mundane tasks that we have to do today? Well, I think one of the rhythms, and again, of course, when I speak about any of these things, the assumption is that these are these are in-process rhythms, right? These are not perfected rhythms. But I do think one thing that has been lost in the modern church is a rhythm of confession of sin. Mm-hmm. And I remember hearing a woman, again, a, a Titus 2 mentor, she once said, when we don't involve like regular confession of our sin, hmm. we are carrying burdens we were never meant to carry. So we're walking around over really burdened by the sin we have not confessed and given to the Lord. And then we also haven't given him access to cleansing and healing. Hmm. So I do think one of the things I try to do very regularly, usually at night after, after I've crawled into bed and I'm about to go to sleep, is just really honestly confront my day if it needs to be confronted and confess that sin to the Lord. I feel like that continues a, an honest relationship with the Lord, and it also gives him access to your heart, to be able mm-hmm. to work in the deepest parts of your heart so that you you wake up in the morning not as bound to that sin. It's not mm-hmm. to say we're not going to fight the flesh and, and the spirit 
all mm-hmm. of all the days of our lives, but we're less bound the more we confess our sin. Mm-hmm. So I think that's one of the reasons I love liturgies is because they they assume that we need that regular rhythm of confession to be healthy Christians. Again, I think the church has lost that to its own detriment in past years. I do try to set aside a walk a week. I love to walk in the afternoons, but I try to sort of specifically set aside one walk a week that is just gratitude, like calling to mind what I've seen the Lord do. And there's nothing Mm. better for the renewal of your faith than actively searching your own, the recesses of your mind and saying, you know, what has God done? Did I go back and thank him for that gift of grace in my life? Or did I just ignore it and Uh assume that God should be good in my life? I mean, think about how rude it would be if someone in your real life extended you generosity regularly and you never thanked them. Like that relationship would be so unhealthy. So I think we have to remember we're in a real relationship with the Lord and we have to involve healthy rhythms of relating to him, like as father, Mm -hmm. but also as friend. So Mm -hmm. thank you for these good gifts in my life. Um, Mm -hmm. May I respond well to them? May I steward them well, you know? Yeah. So I think those two, confession and gratitude, are probably the main sort of rhythms. I was even just thinking, you know, if you don't have anything to do when you're folding your fifth load of laundry for the week, just making that a practice of gratitude for the little people or whoever it is that you're folding laundry for. There are so many different ways that you can work those practices in. If you don't have the opportunity to go on a walk by yourself, maybe your kids can come with you and do a gratitude walk. That'd be a great way to instruct your children and to help them see uh, how you can cultivate a heart of gratitude, even whenever it might be hard. So these are all such great things. Confession and gratitude. How might you incorporate these disciplines into regular rhythms of your daily life? Maybe it's something like Marianne mentioned of making a practice of confessing sin as you lay down in bed each night, or rehearsing gratitude to the Lord through prayer during your daily or weekly walk. Or maybe it's a practice like Hunter mentioned, incorporating prayers of gratitude into your daily tasks and rhythms, like folding laundry or doing the dishes. As you do, remember why it's so important that we practice these spiritual disciplines. Scripture tells us that if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. That's 1 John 1, 9. And Proverbs 28.13 reminds us that the one who confesses and renounces their sins is met with mercy. We're told, too, that in Christ, God views our sins as no more, removed from us, as Psalm 103.12 says, as far as the east is from the west. That's how far He removes our transgressions from us. And gratitude. The Psalms remind us again and again to come into the Lord's presence with thanksgiving, to make a joyful noise to Him with songs of praise. Ephesians 5.20 encourages us to always give thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. If you're looking for a place to start with gratitude, open up your Bible to Psalm 103 and read through the verses, giving thanks to God and allowing your soul to bless the Lord for all His benefits. Sister, what might it look like for you to practice these things daily? How might confession and gratitude shape your relationship with God, leading you to deeper intimacy with Him? How might you practice these spiritual rhythms alongside those who are in your daily life, that you might grow in Christ together? 
I'd encourage you even today to draw near to the Lord through confession and gratitude and allow yourself to be met with the depths of His mercy and goodness. One thing I really want to ask you about, Marianne, because you have... um, I feel like calling you an older woman is not, that's not appropriate (laughs) because you're not, you're like very much like still relevant and relatable to me. You're not that much older than me. Um, Listen, I'm looking uh, at myself in this video (laughs) and I'm definitely the older woman in the camera. (laughs) Well, there are not that many older women who are, you know, trying to actively and biblically engage in the online space. You know, I started realizing when I was getting asked about, you know, kind of developing a a theology of social media, I'm like, why are people asking me this? And I'm like, oh, it's because, you know, we were the first people that were on social media. My generation was because back in the day when Facebook, you know, originated, you had to have a .edu email address. And so guess who it was? It was those of us who were going to college in 2005, 2006. Right. Um, But I have really appreciated how you are in the online space trying to understand what women who are in, you know, my generation and and generations below me trying to um, how how we're living online. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I think we're realizing that, yes, there is an online life and an in-person life um, and it's the same life. You know, I think we I think we formerly mistakenly thought that you just are online and then offline. And it's like, no, the the impact of our lives online is very much uh, there's very much an impact on our real lives. And they're very much an expression of one another. And so I think what I want to ask is, how do you see social media impacting our um understanding of our work in our homes and what kind of pitfalls would you caution us against while we're scrolling online and 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 maybe even what you would encourage us toward as we consider the work that the Lord has given us and 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 how our online practice might be impacting the way we're engaging with it. Well, I think we're slowly being conditioned into greater levels of unreality. And I have no doubt that this is very intentional on the part of the evil one to to condition us out of biblical thinking. Our culture is is easily, definitely shifting away from a Christian mindset, and so we're we're surrounded by messages that are counter to the gospel. So I think when we when we're online, we have to really keep in mind that what we are being presented as reality is not in many, many cases. Mm -hmm. And so the pictures we see of work that is commendable, of work that is worth our our value, um, is worth our time. Um, We're we're being told that that our work should sort of be glamorized, right? It should be filtered and um, beautiful, and it should lead us to a stage somewhere, right? It should lead us to a life of notoriety and renown somewhere and somehow. Right. And if it doesn't, if it just leads us to the next day of privacy in our homes, we're being told that's not really enough because even your home now can be your influencer portal, right? Right. So even the home is is becoming more and more a place where you too can become famous. And um, I think it just takes a lot of 
of reminding ourselves again of the life of Christ and, and really seeking to model um, humility, quietness, privacy. Um, but, but also I suppose, um, just, I think being more prayerful as a, as a culture, as a church than we are of, of sort of standing against maybe the way the evil one is wanting to corrupt our minds and, and confuse our minds so that we lose focus on what our, the purpose of our work actually is. I don't know that there, there would be so many podcasts that could come out of a, a topic about social media or a conversation mm-hmm. about social media, but, um, small, quiet, private mm-hmm. work is, is really what I believe the Lord wanted for the world. I don't mm. think this public sphere is really mm. what he wanted. I think it's really interesting that this technology and and this this sense of conditioning that that sort of wants to publicize all of our work has come as we've become a post-Christian culture. Hmm. Like we are not a Christian culture anymore. We're definitely post. And mm-hmm. so now we're we're just seeing this emergence that the online is more real than than the real. Mm-hmm. So I think Christian women are going to have to band together to really yeah. buffer against this movement by connecting with one another in healthy online spaces because they do exist. Mm-hmm. Um, connecting in the local church, connecting in in communities where where they can remind each other that that the the unseen is is mm-hmm. good and and they can remind and encourage one another that that is really God's original design. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. I think we absolutely can encourage each other in the unseen work in online spaces like we're doing right now, coming alongside women in their various, you know, respective work uh, in their earbuds. But certainly there is no replacement for that Titus II mentoring in the local context. And I was talking to a friend the other day about this uh, that I know who has a lot of influence online. and. you know, I wish that people could hear her children in the background as I can when we're on a phone call and they're absolutely losing their minds. And of course, it wouldn't be appropriate, Marianne, for her to share that with her tens of thousands of followers. Yeah. And yet uh, that is the danger. I think one of the many dangers of looking to, you know, influencers or whomever it is online Uh, to help encourage your work in your home, because we don't see that with like the great practices and all the principles that we can be employing, there is also like a great big mess. (laughs) And so I think it's the beauty of doing life together in the local context that we get both. And so this is our encouragement, ladies. Do not let us be the primary influence in this conversation about ministry in the mundane. Get together with a Titus II mentor in your local context. Find a Marianne wherever it is that you are and uh, ask if you can come alongside her in some of her mundane work and see how she seeks to treasure Christ even in the midst of that. So Marianne, thank you so much for your encouragement uh, to do these things. I really have appreciated it. And I'd love to know as we're coming to a close, one of the questions I've asked every person in this series is what it is that brings you rest when you feel weary? I loved this question. Um, certainly my family. So, um, 
that would, would have always originally been my answer, but I will say with honesty, when I was in your stage, it, I wouldn't have necessarily associated my family You're with like, rest. What brings you rest? Like, <laughs> oh, taking a break from the family. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Being away. Um, but Being now, by myself. <laughs> yeah. No, and that is very natural and normal at that stage because you're. It, it's so noisy. It's so clamorous it's so all the time. Someone is always so upset and affronted about something. Um, at this stage in our family life, my husband and children are restful to me. I mean, they certainly have so many complex things happening in their lives, but they themselves are just delightful. And um, we've sort of been adding people to our family slowly as the kids meet people and bring people home. And so that's been interesting too. It's full, but it's, it's a really fulfilling Aww. and beautiful stage of life, restful. Um, and then if you, if you've hung around my Instagram for any amount of time at all, you know that I'm a runner. And so I, I find a lot of rest ironically in running. It is my happy place. And, I love that. um, it's just a beautiful space for me to exist in every single day, except for Sunday. I take a day of rest on Sunday. <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. Yeah. I, uh, have just started running again because we have a baby that had a sensitive eating situation and I've been nursing and had to protect my milk supply but I just started running and I could not keep up with you let me tell you that (laughs) (laughs) that's okay (laughs) certainly not to the restful stage yet but (laughs) yes no no worries at all (laughs) I love that so much well it has been restful talking to you thank you so much for sharing what the Lord has taught you over the years. I know that this has been such an encouragement to me and it'll be such an encouragement to the listeners too. Thanks for joining us on the Journey Women podcast. Thank you for having me. You guys, wasn't that good? We pray this episode encourages you to see your work, even if it's ordinary or mundane, as beautiful unto the Lord and glorifying to Him. If you found this episode helpful, consider sharing our Rest for the Weary series with a friend or leave us a review on iTunes or Spotify. As always, thanks for listening. It's a joy to get to journey alongside you guys. Can't wait to see you here next Monday. Have a great week. Bye.